Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. here at Luminous Church, and we're just going to dive straight in to what the Lord has for us today. I really feel like the God wants to reveal something um, for us that's going to be significant in, in our walk. So let's go ahead and just bow our heads and pray as we honor God's word and who he is and this preparation for what he wants to do internally within our hearts. Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, that you are a good father. God, I thank you that you love us even when we don't reciprocate those things back to you. That you are a giver, that you love us, and you're so generous, and you're so amazing. God, I pray that your words spoken today in this place would penetrate our hearts. God, as we congregate to lift up your name up high, God, as we are a city on the hill made here to to make your name known here in San Antonio. God, we just pray that you do what you want to do in this service, that you reveal to us everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Have y'all ever heard the old saying that time heals all wounds? Right? Like time heals all wounds. I remember I was about five years old, and we were leaving a family function, a family friend's house, and, you know, we were approaching the vehicle, and that's right before we were about to leave, then my dad got caught back up in conversation, right? It's kind of like after church, after we dismiss, and we pray, and then you're hanging out here in the sanctuary, and you're there for a little bit, you're like, man, I got to go, and then you move out to the foyer, and you're like, oh, man, all right, I'm almost closer to my car, and somehow you manage to be standing next to your car, still talking to the person that you were talking to in the sanctuary, and then somehow you manage to eat lunch with them after that, too, you're like, man, this was not what I had planned for today. I had other things planned. I wanted to go watch the football game. Some of y'all trying to watch the Cowboys lose or win. I don't know. <laughs> right? But the thing is, it's like, man, like, man, this is where we're at. And I'm five years old. And that's like most five-year-olds, you know, you just entertain yourselves. This was before, you know, smartphones. I didn't get to play Candy Crush or anything like that. So all I had was my vivid imagination, and I started playing this game that some of y'all may know, or maybe not. Maybe you called it something else, but I called it, we called it lava. Lava, meaning that, like, when the ground is seeping with lava, and you can only walk on certain places. If not, you're going to die. Right, and so if you're in the house, you'd just be jumping from couch to couch, right? And your parents are yelling at you because you're wearing your dirty shoes on their great couch, and so they're getting at you. But if you're outside, you're limited to where you can go and play this game. So I'm outside, and I'm like, man, where can I play this game? So I saw these, these paved stone bricks around this plant, and I'm like, man, I'm going to go right there. You know, and it's so funny, five-year-olds, like, man, you can't tell them nothing. You, can, you can't say you can't do that. He's like, yes, I can, right? And they'll try to prove you wrong. So here I am, I'm like going around, I'm bouncing around these bricks. I'm like, I'm the best 
balancer. No one is better than me. I'm like a ninja. And man, I got like these cat-like reflexes. And I'm in my own world. And as I'm walking and going around these paved stones, I notice something in the grass looking at me. And I'm looking at it. And before I was able to do anything, it leaped at me. And I fell into this rose bush. And the culprit just goes hopping away. Because I'm over here crying and screaming, and my dad grabs me, rush into the house. He sits me on the countertop in the kitchen, and he's cleaning my wound. And as he's cleaning my wound, some of y'all understand this, you know, the little struggle bus, right? Some of our college students said, man, struggle bus. Man, we were struggling back then, and so we didn't have insurance. And so the four things we did have was peroxide, Sprite, cough drops, and Vicks, right? <laughs> like, I mean, those are like the things in the tool belt that like your mom had. If you couldn't go to the doctor, it was like, man, we got these. And so we got the peroxide, we cleaned the wound. And my dad, you know, very innovative and creative in his ways, he got these needle nose pliers. Man, he got these needle nose pliers and he put them in my arm where I had a thorn from the rose bush. And he yanked it out and I had this hole in there. And man, they know what really uh, got my mind off of things. And those, that every time I was injured, my parents would give me a Debbie snack. You know, immediately I would just stop. The pain would leave, and I would not. I'd be completely distracted. So I'm eating my Debbie snack. My dad's cleaning up my wound and everything. And here I am now playing in my pinkies all in there. And it's gross. So we never got the stitches or none of that. We didn't go to the doctor. But you know, some weeks went by, some months went by. Praise God, there was no infection. Um, and eventually it healed. It closed up, and now I have a cool scar. Right? And a funny story to tell about this crazy frog that jumped on me in the midst of playing my lava game. And I'm, cer I'm certain that a lot of you this morning have, like, a cool story to tell about a scar or something that's happened to you. And, man, I would love to hear some of those stories maybe later. But you could take a picture of me and my scar after service, you know, and you can put me on your Instagram and everything like that. But the thing is, what I want to address this morning it's the scars in the wounds that people don't see. The ones that people don't see, the people closest to you that they're unaware of. And there's maybe moments in which that you may catch wind of something that kind of, you know, brings that thing up to the surface. And it is still kind of sensitive to the touch. I'm going to talk about a little bit about that this morning. Maybe it was a sense of betrayal, maybe from a spouse or a loved one or a friend in which it seemed like it was his breach of trust. And now because of that, it's hard for you to actually trust anyone. And then you're so guarded that you isolate yourself and you want relationship, but it's kind of hard to get in a relationship because you're scared. Or maybe it's the feeling of rejection, rejection because of someone you might have liked, right? Or maybe it was because of an employer, like he told you about this position you should apply for. And you thought it was going one way, and it seemed really great at the moment, and then they went a whole other direction. And you feel overlooked. And ever since then, like, you're just like, man, I don't even know if I want to try, because I don't even know if I can, if I'm even good enough. So you start settling for things, or maybe it was a loss. A loss of a loved one, and maybe that loss like kind of paralyzed you in which that you're constantly worried about the future and things. You're thinking like, man, what if this happens to me? You're worried about family members, and so you, now you're paralyzed by fear. Or maybe it's the last one. 
which is the most common one, which is maybe you are living through the consequences of your poor decisions. And because of that, there's some guilt and shame, and you feel like everyone is looking at you, and everyone knows what you've done, and you're like, man, like, man, I'm not good enough. Or they will never let this go, and because of that, you are your worst critic. Regardless of which one that is, I want to say that, like, man, like, doesn't that, those wounds hurt the most? Isn't it those wounds that really hurt the most are the ones that you did not see. And I would actually argue this morning that time does not heal all wounds. The time is actually working against us. That the more we wait on time to try to do its part, the more we're actually being torn apart. And this is one of the biggest misconceptions sometimes that we receive or in other people in society is that like, yeah, just give it time. Man, it, it'll get better over time. But the thing is, is that we are all broken. We are all broken. That there's something within us in which we are broken. And sometimes we, as being broken, hurt and break other people. And this is what Paul is trying to address in the book of Ephesians. And before we dive into what scripture has to say this morning, let's kind of rewind just a little bit about what happened, what's happening before that why, this is the reason why Paul is writing this letter. See, Ephesus was an amazing city of its time. It's a place that you want to be. This is the place that a lot of people would go for businesses and trade because of the port that they had. It was a melting pot of culture. A melting pot of culture. It was kind of like a, a Houston almost. It, was not, it wasn't not only known because of the port, but it also had the seventh wonder of the ancient world, which was the temple of Artemis. Artemis was a, a pagan god, a, a god that they would worship for fertility or hunting. And as we look back six years prior to this, the letter that was written to Ephesus, we see this is where Paul comes in to Ephesus on his first missionary journey, or one of his first missionary journeys. And as he's there proclaiming the gospel signs and wonder is following him, and people are coming to know Jesus, and they're proclaiming the name of the Lord, and they're leaving their idols behind. They're burning their idols, and there's an uproar within this city because the people who are making money building these idols are now losing money. They're losing money, and, and so this is, what, this is the church that Paul established. And as we fast forward six years ahead, you see this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus from a jail cell in Rome under his first imprisonment. Can y'all say that? Can you say that you've been in prison once for the gospel, for his first imprisonment for preaching the gospel under house arrest? And unsure of what his future may entail, unsure if he's gonna die the next day or what his sentence may be, he decides, I'm gonna write this letter to encourage this church because I don't know if I'm gonna be able to see them again. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to, to love on them and pray for them again. So I'm gonna write this letter to encourage them that who they once were, to remind them who they once were, what happened. 
and what God is going to do in their life now because of his work. Because of his work. So as we jump into Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, this is what the scripture says. It says, among, among whom we all, everyone say all, all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And as I was reading this, I was like, man, what is the desires of the flesh? What does that look like? Because I want to know if I'm doing any of those things. I want to know so I can have clarification. And so Paul goes back in Galatians. We look back in Galatians 5, 19, 21. It describes the works of the flesh. It says the works of the flesh are evident. There's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, decisions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Man, this is humanity at its finest. This is humanity at its finest. This is who we are by nature. And this is what Paul says. He says, by nature, we are children of wrath like the rest of mankind. By nature, this is who we are. And so if we want to see the genesis of this issue, we have to go back into the book of Genesis and see that there was the fall of man between Adam and Eve, right? They ate of the fruit, but the fruit bit back. And because the fruit bit back, the, the echo, the sting of sin has now echoed through time from Genesis all the way to Ephesians and from Ephesians all the way until today. And that's what we see. We still see brokenness and pain and hurt onto today. Over the last several years, I've, I've had the privilege to travel to several countries and talk to different people from different backgrounds and different ages and people that love the Lord and they had, you know, encouraged me and prayed for me. Those who are at different places in their walk from those who are from far away from God to those who don't even care about God. And one of the common things I hear those who, are, who can care less about any type of faith or religion, they say this, is they say, well, man has evolved. You know, man has evolved, and the Bible, I mean, the Bible's old. Like, when man has evolved, and the Bible's old news, and society has evolved, and, well, I can be a good person without some holy text. That I can be a good person without some holy text. And my, my response typically is, it doesn't matter how much time has lapsed, but that the involved man left to himself only gets worse. Only can get worse. G.K. Chesterton, a well-known theologian and philosopher, was once asked, what is wrong with the world today? What is wrong with the world today? And I think a lot of us at times, we ask that question, like, man, what is wrong with the world? What is it's politics? Maybe it's the laws. Maybe it's this, you know, terrorists. Or maybe it's like we have all these ideas of what is wrong with the world today. And his response was simple. He said, I am. 
that I am what's wrong with the world today. And G.K. Chesterton, as well as Paul, both knew the Lord and they loved the Lord. And they both agree that they are the issue. They are what's wrong with the world. That I am what's wrong and, and you are what's wrong. That we are what's wrong with the world today. That we are all broken and a hurt, broken people only hurt people. I remember I, I was raised in a pretty religious home, but the thing is eventually what was spoken on Sunday never made it Monday through Saturday in our home. That I got to see brokenness in which I got to see addiction and affair and abuse and physical and verbal abuse in which left me broken. Left a void and mean because now I feel not valued. I don't feel loved. I don't feel respected. And because of that, I started treating people the same way I was treated. So now as I have this void in me waiting for time to do its part, I'm only being more torn apart. Because all I've been told all my life, man, time will do its work. Let time heal you. Let time fix you. You'll get better over time. And Paul is reminding the Ephesians, and he's reminding us today that time is not the answer, that us left to ourselves are only depraved. We're only broken. But the thing is that he doesn't just leave us with hopelessness, but he brings a solution. He brings this solution because if you just read that, well, you just left like so discouraged. But this is what Paul says in verse 4. He says, but God. But God. See, those two words, but God, are the only two words that actually change the trajectory of humanity. Those two words completely change everything that we know it is to, and refers to them because God intervened. That but God describes this amazing, powerful God intervening on behalf of humanity. On behalf of humanity that it wasn't. It wasn't us, but it was all him. But God. See, I thought I was going to struggle with depression all my life, but God. I thought that I would never have a relationship with my father. I thought he'd never be at my wedding, that he would never see his grandchild, but God. I remember my wife got in this crazy accident, and the doctor said they didn't know if she was going to make it, but God. And most recently... The doctor called to schedule an infertility appointment. But God, but God, that we serve this God who wants to do something in your life this morning. And if you have a but God moment, I'm going to call you out and say, I want you to praise God right now. I want you to get to your feet right now. I want to praise God because God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. But God. But God wants to do something in your marriage. He wants to restore your family. But God wants to heal you of every disease. But God, and this is the God that we serve. But God reminds us it's not, it's not our circumstance or our situation that gets the last word. But God reminds us it's not the enemy that gets the last word. But God reminds us it's not death or disease that gets the last word. But God reminds us it's not politicians or the laws that gets the last word. That we have a God who sits on the throne and he's in control. And we can worship him this morning because, but God, in his love and mercy, 
But God, being rich in mercy because of their great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God, see, but God changes our status. We're no longer broken. We're no longer rejected. We're no longer depressed. But God intervenes. And because of that, I'm no longer a sin sinner. I'm no longer an enemy of God. But now I'm a son of God. And I'm no longer a slave to sin, but a son to righteousness. And this is the thing is that God, Jesus, through him, changes our status. He changes our status. Because of that, everything changes. That means your story changes. Your story changes. Let's go back and let's pick up at verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Through faith. This is the thing is that it was never us in the beginning. It was always God. It was by grace we've been saved. And grace is this. Grace is the passport into relationship with God. So grace is not the benefits of what we get. Grace is the relationship that we get. By grace we've been saved so that no man can boast. So I cannot boast on behalf of what Jesus has done for me. I can only just praise him and thank him and give him glory for how good he's been. So by grace you've been saved. Not as a result of work so that no man can boast. For we are his workmanship. Everyone say workmanship. Workmanship. Some translations will say masterpiece. So you are God's masterpiece. That yes, there was a sting of sin and death, but yet God came in and intervened on your behalf that he changed your status. And because of that, you have a new story. And because of that, you are now his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus. Four good works prepared for long ago. If I can be quite frank with you this morning, sometimes I actually forget to but God. Sometimes I forget all the things that Christ has done for me, all the miraculous things, that the things I even proclaim to you this morning. Sometimes I forget about those things and I allow the future to affect me today. And in those moments, I got to look back at the grave in which grace has saved me from in order for me to move forward and say there's a but God that I can trust and move forward because I know who he is. I know that I can trust him. I know he is for me. I know that he loves me and he died for me. And this is the story of the gospel. This is the story of the gospel that yet when we were still dead in our sin, God humbly became a man and dwelt among us and lived the life that you and I should have lived and then died the death that you and I should have died and rose again on the third day, proving that he was the son of God, proving that he had authority of life and everything else and saying, if you will choose to believe in me, that you will have eternal life. That this is the gospel. And this morning, before we close, I, I want to just leave you with three Applications. 
three application points. The first one is, I call it the initial exchange. The initial, the initial exchange is this. The initial exchange is that if you haven't put your faith and love in Jesus and trust in Jesus, that you would put your trust in him this morning. That you would exchange your brokenness so that he can change your story and so that you can become his masterpiece. Second one is the daily exchange. The daily exchange is this, is when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that you grab? Is it your phone or is it your Bible? Is it spending time with God? One of our uh, instructors at the school ministry was telling us this story about this laptop that he had or this computer that he had, this desktop. Every morning he would cut it on, he would do his work on the computer, and he would cut it off. The next day he would cut it on, and he said that it restored back into its original settings. Paul describes us in the scripture that we are return back to our original settings, which is sin. That every morning, that if we don't spend time with God and make that daily exchange of brokenness for his wholeness, that we will begin to drift away into this place of brokenness and be separated from him. So the question is, is how is your devotion? If grace is relationship with God, then how is your relationship? Are you cultivating that relationship? And lastly, it's remembering the grave. Remembering the grave is being reminded of everything God has done in your life. Writing it down and looking at it and say, like, man, but God, but God changed my status, but God changed my story. And it's not just being reminded of it, but it's actually proclaiming it. See, I think some of us, we know our testimony. We know what God has done, but how well have you actually shared that with someone else? How well have you shared it with someone else? Because the gospel is not just for us, it's for the world to be proclaimed and understand the name of Jesus, the hope in which we have. This morning, we can stand. I want to pray for us. And this is an opportunity as we pray for you to respond to what God is trying to show us, what God has impressed on your hearts. If you can go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. If that is you this morning, did you say that I need to make this initial exchange in which I haven't yet put my hope and trust in this person of Jesus, the one who lived and died for me in order for me to no longer to be a slave to sin, for me to change, have a change of status so I can be his masterpiece walking and wholeness. If you want to put your love and hope and trust in God today and you haven't done that yet, can you raise your hands so we can pray for you? Secondly, I want to pray for the folks who like, man, I've been struggling with this daily exchange. I've been struggling on cultivating this relationship with Christ. I want to be able to pray for you this morning. The Lord sees you. The Lord doesn't want to reprimand you. He just wants his child. He wants to spend time with his child this morning. He just wants to remind you that he's there and he's your hope. He's your rock. 
if you're saying that I need to trust him and spend time with him and cultivate this relationship, can you pray? Can you lift your hand this morning so I can pray for you? And lastly, for those who man, say like, man, yes, I, I, I put my life and my trust in Jesus. And yes, I've, I've you know, cultivated this relationship. But yet I haven't really proclaimed Jesus to, to people, to my neighbors, to my coworkers. I believe in God is depositing names in your heart right now of people that he wants you to share your testimony with, to share your story with, to share the but God moments of your life. If you're saying, man, I need some boldness this morning so I can share with someone this, uh, this week, can you lift your hand can I, so I can pray for you? Father God, you, thank you so much, God, that you see every hand that is raised. Lord God, we just bless you and we thank you that your word is what transforms us. It's by your work, it's by your doing, it's not by ours. God, I pray that we all surrender to your will and we just give you thanks and praise. Well, God, we love you. We praise your name. Amen.